As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, uh, a podcast 
about a football team that's going to be playing in the Premier League next year. Uh, yep, that was what you heard at the beginning of the podcast. Is the sound of yesterday, uh, as we are all as Watford fans. You heard Mike, who was inside the ground, and what that sounded like at full time. You heard Jason at home uh, with his family, and then you you hear me. Uh, and I was out trying to see what it was like outside the ground and then headed over to the pond and uh, you might have seen on our social medias, it was a, a quite a, a different place, the pond, uh, on, uh, on this last Saturday. Uh, my name's John, uh, I'm with uh, Mike. Premier League Mike, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, change the Twitter handle. Uh, and Jason. You all right there? Yeah, we are. Because, I mean, Mike, let's talk about the moment, the, yeah. the, the finale to this season, emotionally at least, to yesterday. How was it for you being there in the ground? Can I make a general point first about, and you say emotion, it, was, it did feel very emotional yesterday for a whole host of reasons, but I just wanted to kick off by saying how unbelievably we've heard about all the fans there we're fans we're delighted for obvious reasons but I wanted to say how delighted I am for the people at the club who have worked very very hard this season to make a a terrifically difficult and pressurised season on a number of levels as good as possible on a number of levels they've done so much Um, Hornets at home has been well publicised my mum got a phone call from Alec Chamberlain the other day it wasn't just a two-minute, hi, how are you? They'd taken notes of what I said. Mum had had an operation. She's struggling with her knee. She's good now. But I had a 15-minute conversation with Alec Chamberlain. And she is one of hundreds of people who had that thing, um, who had that phone call. That, that whole initiative is incredible. Um, Hive Live, an hour before the game, is something that Watford didn't need to do. We know the financial ramifications of getting relegated. They didn't need to do that. But I think they recognised that adding, you know, with not, fans not being able to be in the ground... Doing stuff like that, investing, doing the time, doing it properly is, 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 is phenomenal. The work they've done with the NHS throughout has been well publicised, but I think is worth highlighting again. And even little things like Watford did a programme all the way through the season, a beautiful programme, may I add, and they, they didn't need to do that. Most places I've been this season haven't done them. I went to Leicester, they don't do a programme. Wickham don't do a programme. They have to do it for Hornet Heaven. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But they do that because they know that programmes are important to supporters and all those things come together. We say often that our club is one that we can be deeply proud of and I don't think that's just us. Every every fan says that about their club in different ways. I think we've got more reasons to be proud than, than most and the, just the way all those little different things come together to create quite a, an incredible community asset. And yes, we're delighted about promotion. But the, the emotion that we saw yesterday shows how it means, how much it means to so many different people. But when you pile on top of that, just how important and how special the club is, it, it makes it all the more sweeter and all the more valuable, I think, for us. But, and that doesn't happen without a whole army of people putting in an extraordinary amount of work behind the scenes. The majority of them, no one will know their names unless they've had an email from them. But there is just an army of people that make Watford Football Club what it is and make celebrations like yesterday and today and for the rest of the two weeks feel all the all the sweeter. So at full time yesterday, I was delighted for all of us. I was delighted for our families. I was delighted for all our friends. I was delighted for everyone. But more than anything, I just felt a huge surge of really quite emotional pride and satisfaction for those guys who have delivered such... Um, oh, help deliver and preserve such a wonderful club for us. Yeah, I was outside the ground. It was there wasn't many. There were few. Um, there wasn't many fans. 
it was that sort of feeling, Jason, of, of just what people just wanting to be with other Watford fans, doing our, the best we could to sort of get something, however distant some people were trying to be, however non-distant some people were trying to be. Uh, and up the pond was just ridiculous. Um, I mean, I felt ancient. Um, but the the God, um, at some point we'll share on our social media, Dylan, um, Dylan the photographer, his uh, his pictures he took. He, it was like he was going into a war zone. He said uh, to take all the pictures and get in there and have the pictures and grab the emotions and see the. The, the people had been in that pond and had, well, they caught more than COVID if they were in there, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jason, for you, you know, you've seen a, a few promotions. I think this is Mike and I's uh, fourth promotion to the top tier. Um, it's your fifth, fifth promotion, promotion to the, the top, top tier. tier. Yep. And I know, like, you know, how, how was it for you in terms of, you know, the, the, comparing it to all those other promotions that we've had? It felt it felt a bit weird in the end. A bit, <laughs> it was, a bit, is it? A bit unusual. Um, and I remember thinking before the game that it could happen today. How's it? How am I going to feel at the end when it happens? And and I think it's fair to say we were fairly confident we were going to do it yesterday. Yeah. And that sort of led into we're playing a Millwall team that had a poor result against Bournemouth. They looked like they're done for the season. They weren't going anywhere. We'll be in a good mood. We will be up for it and we will go at them and we could win by a few goals. I was then thinking, well, that's going to be a bit weird because at the end, it's going to be great. Yeah, we've done because we would have been, we were going to win comfortably. Then it was almost like it was just going to, we were going to ease into that, into that moment. There was going to be no sort of big moment of, yes, we've done it. There's no thing when you win anything. There's the, the relief of, of complete, completing it. Mm. And whatever it is that's been building up to you, and then there's the cheer of of the win, and that's what sort of makes a, a good old cheer a lot longer. Like the, the cheers of all those goals were, were mega mm. because there was massive release of hey, we might do this thing. And I suppose you know if you listen to how you celebrated, it was it, and I was the same. I mean, I found it quite hard because I was, I, we were Dylan and I were sat on the little row of shops on the benches just down from Vicarage Road, and I thought. We need to go to the ground. We need to go to the ground. And like, I was looking at my phone and it was like three minutes left. And of course, there probably wasn't three minutes left at that point. As you heard a little bit, Dylan says, how long left? I said, well, on this is a minute and a half, but it, it's probably already finished. And we sort of pegged up Vicarage Road and I was a bit distracted about where I was in that moment. And I sort of missed it a, a, a tiny bit. But it's like you say, there, was a, there wasn't that a massive release. But then there, there, then there should have been really, because the, the fact that it actually ended up being a a 1-0 win, there's always that risk that you're going to... Anything could have happened. We could have conceded. In the end, I thought, OK, perhaps there will be a, a big moment of release. And actually, it was it was more... Like you say, it was a relief thing. It was, oh, thank God we've done it. <laughs> it, was like, it didn't feel as big as some of the games earlier. In the, the Norwich game, was yeah. that felt massive to me. Yeah. When we scored, I, I celebrated and I got told off for being loud at home. <laughs> and then when the, when, yeah, when the final whistle went, I, I celebrated again big time. This one felt just a bit more... It was strange, just unusual. Like we've gone up. I think also the fact that we've spent the last five seasons in the Premier League before this one and the fact that we've gone straight up, perhaps that, I don't know, yeah. I don't say dampens the achievement, but it, it's... Perhaps we do belong. Perhaps we this have a, a place in the, yeah, in the Premier League. This is more expected than previous Yeah, that actually we, we're, not, we're not sort of borrowing time up there for a season like we did in the in the 90s and the and the noughties this is we've got another stab at, at establishing our, establishing ourselves in the premier league this is this is just the beginning this is not the thing to celebrate things to celebrate may come further down the line yeah i, I do agree with that and i think it, it, it's, it is an important 
job that we had to get done. And whilst I don't think any of us necessarily expected it, we all hoped for it and knew it was a, a distinct possibility. But I think what you're both saying just brings home just how, not disappointing, just how sad it is that there weren't fans in the ground. Because I know that we felt like probably the job was very much nearly done. We The, the odds were very much in our favour going into yesterday and we felt like promotion really was secured against Norwich. But just being in the incredibly fortunate position to see the players celebrating, just to see how much it meant to them was really rewarding. It's like, because like Jace, like you were saying, we, we did sort of, we didn't expect everything you've just said, but to see it manifest itself, how, how important it is, what an achievement, what a huge achievement it is. They've had to really battle throughout the season. We're going to go on to talk about it. But the, they really have had to scrap in different ways, lot mentally and physically, throughout the course of the season. And just the outpouring of relief on the players, I mean, it almost took me a little bit by surprise because of what you were saying. It felt like oh, we, 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 we kind of thought it was done, but not a bit of it. And I just thought, thought there might be a little bit, it might be a bit of sort of muted celebrations, but not a bit of it. The players were absolutely cock-a-hoop and rightly so. And it, obviously absolutely delighted incredibly privileged to be able to see it for me it was I just wanted to be with you guys I wanted to be with my with my brother I wanted Arlo to be there I wanted mum and dad I wanted everyone to be there so it's it's difficult but I think it just seeing the players celebrate like that was was incredible and it did bring home just what an achievement it is because it's exactly that bounce every you'll hear it said ad nauseam in the next couple of weeks it's very difficult to bounce back at the first time of asking it is, and they've done it. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. That's how we felt after the game, Jason. But there was actually a game of football that we, we all watched, even though my phone glitched a few times and all the rest of it. So, oh, no, no, there's going to be a goal when it glitches. As, as football, as all the... You know, what, what, what did you think of it, Jason? Odd game, isn't it? When we're thinking about what the prize is at the end of that game, the actual game itself wasn't exactly one to write home about. I think both teams started a bit... Off, I don't, I, you can expect maybe the occasion gets to, to Watford, but then even Millwall, I think both teams were sort of exchanging bad passes at the start. Then we seem to get a foothold quicker. Obviously, the the penalty, the goal, and then you think, okay, let's let's kick on from here. And we never really did. Millwall then started to get a foothold in the game. They were the ones perhaps creating the the better chances, and we never really got anything going after that. I don't think we were exactly fluid we had probably spells in the game after that more in the second half where we looked like we were the better side but again we didn't really create a lot we it was a struggle to see if we'd actually score another one thought we looked better again when Chalaba came on thought that brought a bit more energy to the to the play and then again at the end you're sort of nervous that we might concede because we're just sitting that little bit deeper and all it would take is a slip or a mistake and, it, and it's all gone. The moment I, I surprised myself at was when Kiko got injured and he went off. And I thought, if we hadn't had Craig the other day, yeah. I think that would have killed me. Yeah. It would have absolutely killed me. Oh, my God, no. They're going to get that goal back. But actually going, that's fine. Craig can do it. Craig's got it. He's got it covered. I think the fact of the matter is yesterday is, is going to be a footnote, isn't it? The game itself is going to be a footnote. And what we had to do was get the, get the result and... Once again, we were able to do it due to the depth of the squad. I think we had the quality to keep Millwall at arm's length throughout. Really, I mean, they did. You know, they gave us a much sterner test than I probably thought they would. I thought they were they were, were decent going forward. I expected them to sit deep and uh, and just try and stifle us. But after we scored after ten minutes, that that went out the window. So they had to come 
uh, come at us a little bit more, and they made a lot of lot of substitutions. They were obviously going for it. Gary Rowett on the on the touchline was very vocal. He obviously didn't want them to give up at all. So they gave us a they gave a really really good account of themselves. Backman had what two decent saves to make, I think, and and he's done that well. And I think he deserves credit because the defence has been solid all season, and he gets called into action almost out of nowhere. It's almost unexpected when he has to make a save. So when he's done that, I think that that deserves a lot a lot of credit. But a couple of decent saves from him, but ultimately you know we all worry about Watford being Watfordy you know every football fan thinks that their team's going to going to cock it up they think they're the only team who whoever let one in in the 90th minute they just didn't do it they did what they had to do they were they were comfortable ish they saw it through and we were able to make substitutions at key times as you say John Craig Cathcart coming on from Kiko which wasn't an issue, was it, after his after his tremendous performance on, on Tuesday? So I think yesterday is almost a perfect summing up of how good this squad is. They just got the job done. They did what they needed to do to get, get promotion. Promoted sides win football matches. It doesn't matter. You know, I always remember growing up watching Man United win the league and I'd watch them week in and week out and I think, are they ever really that impressive? And what's impressive about them was that they just won time and time and time again. And this season, Watford have won time and time and time again. When it's counted, they've stood up. The, that yesterday's game isn't going to go into a museum, but it got the job done and every credit to everyone that set foot on the pitch yesterday. One man who didn't step onto the pitch, but he was at the side of the pitch and he has been there ever since Christmas time, uh, is one Chisco Munoz. And uh, after the game, Adam was at the, the game, covering the game for the Athletic. Uh, and of course, he was in the press conference. So let's see how Cisco felt. After the final whistle, well, I think the first of all, I want to say thank you, thank you for everyone, always for your support, always for for give uh, all the best for the club, for our fans, because uh, I think today is the day for our fans. I love a lot our fans. I want to say thank you also about our fans because I receive a lot of support in the social media. And second, I want to say thank you for. Everyone is working behind me because uh, in the training ground they work very hard and give uh, very good solutions in, every day in the trainings. I think right now, guys, is the moment for enjoy. Every we work very hard for reaching the big goal. What you ask me? <laughs> you, uh, you mentioned the fans. We can we can hear them outside. All... This is the most. Imp- you know, I miss them. I, uh, I think it's the moment for be careful with the save of the life, but we need to enjoy. I was a little sad when finished the game because I feel with the, our fans today in the stadium, sure this is the is amazing moment. But uh, I know they give a big support like at home, and uh, the most important right now is uh, enjoy because we are the Premier League next year. It's amazing when you have a very good relationship with the players, when everyone has the same way, when the important players and the, the experienced players always help me about all the situations. And well, I think uh, the most important is when uh, everybody have with the same way, everybody have with the same ambition. I think our numbers is uh, a special numbers for Riff, the big goal. And this is because... Uh, the first of all, we have a very good player because I had uh, the best squad in the championship, and uh, also we give the maximum in all the games. How will you celebrate personally? 
wow, I don't know, nothing special, you know, I think 20 minutes, two beers. <laughs> no, you know, it's, uh, I don't know why. I don't know how I can celebrate because we need to know about the rules about Kovias and the ladies. I feel very, 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 very happy about this situation because uh, the first for the fans, the second for the players, the third with uh, my family, with my kids, because I stayed six months without my kids. And it's very hard sometimes, it's difficult moments when uh, we have uh, without the family. And uh, for me, it's very. Very nice when uh, I can come back at home with the big goal. I spoke, finished the game immediately. You know, sometimes the life is more easy when you have kids. Always my daughter asks me why another father pick up me in the school and you never come. Sometimes you need to know about the situation. It's hard, a hard situation about this. And the most important, we have our side of the personal side with the professional side and uh, sometimes you need to uh, take one side to another side and today I'm very happy because uh, I know I lose the time with them is important because I have a, a big dream in my life. It's, uh, it's amazing, it's amazing. I think when you leave this situation is a very good moment. The problem is no can enjoy with our fans. Because if we enjoy with our fans today, sure is uh, the more emotion and sure uh, we give another total different situation in, this, in the pitch. I haven't necessarily felt the attachment to, to Cisco going through this season because I felt for a lot of the reasons we've discussed, we've had a job to do. We really had to get promoted this season for, for a whole host of reasons. I didn't really mind who came in and did it, and I felt like he was doing a, a decent job. But I, there's also a part of me that thought, well, this is a really, really good squad. Any head coach worth their salt should probably get a tune out of these players. Now, that's unfair. Uh, I know that it, you know, it takes a different skill set and a, you have to be a certain type of person to be a, a, a good head coach. So, but I hadn't necessarily fallen in love with Cisco. Until yesterday, <laughs> where I fell absolutely head over heels for the guy. I, I've talked about how much it obviously meant for the players um, to, to achieve it, but I hadn't really stopped to think about the pressure that he's under and what it must mean for him to be parachuted into a job where promotion is the only acceptable outcome, if we're honest, with a team that you're not quite sure where they're at at the time when he came in. And as he said in the in the press conference there, and I think this is the key thing, he's given up a lot. He hasn't seen his family for months and months and months, living in the the high-pressure environment of, of being a head coach that you're expected to deliver, deliver promotion. That, that takes him doing... We know what it's like to be working during a pandemic, but we've all been able to see our loved ones one way or another, or at least feel close to them. His are a long way away, and uh, uh, like he can't see them. He can't touch them. He can't get close to them. And so he's had to put up with a lot. And, you know, you, speak, you hear from anyone, you hear from Adam or Ryan of The Observer, they're all... Have spoken so warmly about how he is in in press conferences, and it's been a breath of fresh air. So we've loved it as supporters. The press have loved it, and most importantly of all, the players have, have evidently absolutely loved it. You could see by his, their their reaction to him yesterday, the way that he went and thanked the ground staff at full time. He sought them out and shook their hands. 
This is someone clearly who who gets it. He gets the club. He gets the importance of the supporters. And yes, it's easy to say the right things. You should know what to say these days. But he's ebullient. He's emotive. He's positive. He's happy. And he's got his team playing. And he's been successful. And I think to do that all against the backdrop of what has obviously been a very, very difficult time for him. He was, he was obviously very, very emotional yesterday. And I love that. I absolutely love that he cares as much. He likes him cry. That's not very nice, Michael. That's not very nice at all. I, I love the fact that he cares as much as we do. And I was thinking back to when we've had some of our more emotional chats about Watford. And usually it tends to be when things aren't going well or we've, we're upset. And to see people emotional for the, for the right reasons it, it is glorious. And I'm thrilled for a lot of people, as you probably can tell. But he's he's definitely one of them. I think it's lovely to hear him talk. You can hear the smile on his face when he talks. And what a job he's done. What a job he's done. And whatever happens, uh, that's a moment that he and he and we will, will never forget. And I'm glad we, uh, we were able to share it together. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. So what happens next uh, for Watford? Well, that's for another podcast. Uh, this is a, a podcast to uh, remember the yesterday uh, and the celebrations of promotion and, and look back at the season. Uh, and we'll, we'll gather with, uh, with Adam Leventhal this week. He did a great piece that's on The Athletic. Uh, it's, you know, Watford's promotion from dysfunction to delirium. Uh, and you can get that by going to The Athletic. Uh, of course, if you're not a subscriber, then please do by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end, uh, where there's sure to be a healthy discount for you uh, to sign up for a subscription. Uh, of course, it's worth doing it now. Get involved now while there's discount because the, uh, there's going to be a lot of content when Watford are in the Premier League. Uh, so that's certainly. But let's let's look back at this season we've seen. And I, I look at the fixtures and, I, you know, you look at it and I've colour-coded my little uh, list I've got here. You know, yellow for a draw, red for a loss, green for a win. And there's there's not a lot of red. There's not a lot of yellow, really. And there's a heck of a lot of green in the second half of the season. Let's go back to the beginning Jace, you know, looking at that that team, we we saw the preseason game uh, against Tottenham. Got very excited. We saw the opening game against Middlesbrough. Kept that excitement, but that first sort of phase of the season up until the transfer window closed in in mid October, the team was fine, good, but not there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was 
okay, wasn't it? And we'd the winds were were narrow, and we never you, you talk about the Tottenham game and how exciting that looked, and we never quite reached the levels of that performance, which again felt a bit odd. You expect it to be the other way round, pre-season versus versus actual competition. The thing that stood out from the Tottenham game was all that fighting spirit, and that, even that didn't quite feel the same. Everyone talked about that. I think Tottenham broke on a on a counter attack, didn't they? And, we, and you saw the entire team chasing back in a pre-season friendly. You think, wow, he's got these guys going. But then very quickly, it seemed to be a lot more passive, and the and the enthusiasms had seemed to have gone from the team, and and that probably bled through to to us as well. Like I say, the the narrow wins rode our luck a bit at times as well. Even in those early games, Sheffield Wednesday had the better chances in that nil nil. The Luton game, we were lucky not to go 1-0 down. The Derby game, they should have equalised after Jao Padro's late wonder goal and it took a wonder goal to win up there. So it things were happening, but it, it felt like we were relying on that star-studded at championship level, that extra quality from individuals to win the points rather than a cohesive team winning the games in the manner that we should have been. Yeah, isolated. It was isolated seconds, really, of quality that was that, that was the difference, wasn't it? And I think it's important when we talk about this phase of the season to remember, and I think Vladimir Ivich, you know, it obviously didn't work out for him, but I think he, he deserves, he has played a part in this in this promotion season and, and I think he, he therefore deserves some some credit. And I think it's important to remember that when he came to the club, it was a it, it was a difficult situation. He had a lot to deal with, because he had expectation of of promotion, and he you know weighing very very heavy on him. But perhaps more difficult than that was the shifting sounds of the squad. I don't think he until late on he really knew what the team was going to look like. He didn't know what the squad was going to look like. He didn't know who was going to be leaving. He will be will have been aware that there was work to shift out some of the. Um, some of the players, you know, Estupinian, for example, played in the Tottenham game. He was probably, presumably, his uh, ideal left back because we didn't have anyone else at the start of the season. So the the squad was was um, very much in in its formative stages at that stage. And not only was the squad not complete, he didn't know the, all the pieces of the jigsaw that he had in the in the box. There we go. There's my first uh, analogy metaphor of the day. <laughs> There was injuries, you know, as the as the as the as the season progressed. One of the key performers was, or if not the key performer, was was Will Hughes. He he didn't have him. Uh, we didn't have Adam uh, Adam Messina, so he didn't have a left back after a stupid man left. So what I'm trying to say is, he had it tough. He had it tough. I don't think he made it. I don't think he made it easy for himself. I think he um, he caused issues of his own making. As Jason said, it was very, you know, to call it pragmatic would probably be very very charitable. Um, it was a miserable watch, but tough, a real tough time to come in, some tough challenges on and off the pitch. Uh, and I think we have to we have to view that that period in in context. But it was tough going, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and sort of the, the second half of his his reign was where several players like Capu and, and Dini started coming back and, and playing and being part of that, that squad. And I think it really changed where he was going with it and there was almost a the beginning of it you could see where he was going but he didn't have all the players he wanted but then it almost felt slightly like a step backwards or not a step backwards but more like the Watford we'd had in previous 
in the last season, the one, the team that got relegated, and it wasn't quite right, and it didn't quite work out, and for whatever reasons, that it was the the choice of the of the, of the Pozzos to to make a change in mid to late December, uh, and of course. Post Christmas, upturned Cisco Munoz, who had a good start, Jason, but we did have our doubts. What was it? What were we, what were we doubting? I think first of all, who is Cisco? That was the first question, wasn't it? And even for uh, we we used to to the Pozzo model, we've not known much about some of the uh, head coaches that have come our way. Which ironically, Jennifer Cozola was on the telly last night. And sort of thinking back to him, actually, that appointment seems to be very different now to the uh, yeah. <laughs> to what we expect from the Pozzos. It was who is this guy? He's, he's... to start with. The rumor was that the first sort of uh, the first time he heard the name, as the rumor started circulating that he was coming in as a and as assistant, mm. wasn't it? And that's pro- yeah, probably because the people that heard he was coming in assumed. assumed that that's what he was going to be doing because of his lack of experience. Yeah, for him to come in as head coach, and I guess that step, we joined up the dots, didn't we? When, well, as soon as we knew Ivic was going, we thought, well, it's probably going to be this Cisco Munoz guy then that we've never heard of. So I think everyone was, yeah, you quite right to question as to what he was going to be capable of doing. We were told he was an attacking manager, and then you sort of started looking into that a bit more, and that didn't quite make sense because people were saying he was a big student of Rafa Benitez who isn't one to be an out-and-out attacking manager. So that was all a bit confusing. You sort of see things like that. You say, well, what are we going to get? People talk about, when things aren't going well, talk about a lack of identity and that we needed an identity. And again, that didn't do anything to sort of allay those fears. So it really was a sort of a, a journey into the unexpected when he came in. One, one of the things that did for Ivic was the away form. I mean, the away form under Vlad was almost brilliant in its awfulness it, it, you know if you it was it was just absolutely brutal wasn't it the, the, the and the players spoke about it openly everyone knew it was an issue it was a it wasn't just an elephant in a room it was a you know, herd of elephants on your dinner table <laughs> but it was just awful and then Cisco came in and the, his first game baptism of fire at home to to Norwich beat them and we thought right okay we could be off to the races but then we had Swansea away the GoPro game and yes the GoPro game uh, away at Swansea and it felt like well not not much has changed here in as much as we went ahead didn't we they scored and they scored again and at no stage did we feel like we were able to get back into the game it, it never felt like we were able to change the course of a game and that I think that typified the Ivic era it was very very one-dimensional particularly away from you know a home don't concede and nick one was basically the the idea i think away from home it wasn't even it wasn't even that was it and the the initial concern was with that swansea game that it's going to take a bit more than a new man to shake this lot out of this funk but we went on a bit of a run after that didn't we it was to shake out the fact that we weren't scoring goals that was the, still the big issue we weren't really scoring goals. Troy Deeney was scoring penalties. They're still goals. They are still goals. Do you know what I mean? They're not coming from, from open play. They're not coming from, from anything more. We had a great performance away at Stoke. It was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't promotion form. It wasn't feeling like, hey, we're going to get promoted here, even though it was still only January. But then it really went a little bit pear-shaped. I know there was a nil-nil at Millwall which is away at Millwall, tough ground in terms of the, the pitch, not necessarily because of the crowd these days. There was the QPR loss at home. And then there was the Coventry nil-nil away game, which 
people are putting down to that's the the game that gave them the kick up the bum to get things going. And and from what we know from the players, that was the thing that sort of changed their mentality. I sort of was put it down to the fact it was you know we know that after the Bristol City game we we changed formation. Were we able to do that because Troy Deeney got injured? Maybe. But also the fact it was the closing of the transfer window. At that point, all of a sudden, Chalabars, Sars, Kikos, a lot of them, their heads weren't being turned all of a sudden. Not even, not, maybe not even turned, just, just that sort of, you know, you got that sort of nagging in the back of your mind that this might happen and this might happen and you're hearing this, you're hearing that. All of a sudden, they were all driven, they were all focused and that's where the Cisco power really started to come into play because he was able to galvanise that and to sustain that and the unity that they found. But I don't think we can overstate that Coventry game as a sort of watermark, a low watermark, if you like. I remember strongly watching the game and listening to Don Goodman. I'd watched most of the games on, on Hive Live. That one was on, I watched on Sky. And Don Goodman saying, Watford getting promoted, if they play like this, is an impossibility. And I we did the podcast afterwards and I agreed with him. I was cross, I was fed up. I was done. I thought if they carry on playing like this, this season is well and truly over. Because that was just, they needed a response and they got the exact opposite. It was the same old away performance. Um, and it was, everyone knew it was unacceptable. Everyone sort of reached the end of their tethers, including, I think, the players. Because there's been a publicised meeting, which I think was called by uh, William Truthy Kong. Uh, and it sounds like there was some home truths said at that meeting because they obviously felt the same way we did. Someone got in touch with us on Twitter saying they'd gone back and listened to that podcast just to get the, the juxtaposition of how positive we've been ever since that yeah. day, really. But it was it was bad, wasn't it? There are turning points in the season. I think Bournemouth later on was another one that got that lit a fire. But that, Co- that Coventry game, that was do or die at that stage. And I think... I think they recognised that, and they they sort of they saw the Premier League slipping away as a group of players. We certainly saw it as supporters. We'd, we'd never really gone on a run that indicated we were going to be serious contenders. We were there or thereabouts, but at that stage, it felt like, lads, if this is the best that we can come up with at this stage of the season, this isn't going to turn out the way we want it to, is it? You say it's a turning point, but I think it's a culmination of games as well. You say we had the, the QPR defeat, the, the draw at Millwall. Even the wins before that, there was a run of five games where we've scored one goal in open play, mm. which is just, yeah, just not good enough. And we, the formation we were playing, we talk about how that changed, where we were playing a 4-4-2. You had Jao and Troy up front, and they just weren't working as a partnership at all. You play 4-4-2, it's all about the partnerships, and it just wasn't working in that key partnership up front. And what you found is that Saar and Sema, who had been important for us up to that stage and would continue to be so, where they were playing as wide midfielders, wit slash wingers, weren't perhaps involved in the game as much as we needed them to. That changed to 4-3-3. It gave us more bodies in the middle, but then got Saar and Sema more involved in advanced attacking positions and really changed us as an attacking threat. Do you, do you think, Jason, that Vlad sat there wherever he was and went, that's what I wanted to do. Just that with those players. No, <laughs> because, and I think it's important to me because, yes, Vlad did well in, in sort of shoring things up at the back, but we really didn't have a clue moving going forward with him. And I don't think 
given the character we think he is, would he have listened to the players in the same way that Shishko listened to the players when they had that players' meeting? Would he have entertained anything like that? Maybe not. And then Bristol City happened. And, well, we became a winning machine. 13 out of, of 16 games so far uh, since that Coventry game, Watford have got the W. Do you really think that Bristol City game, you know, you talked about how important that, that Coventry game, the very next game, the 6-0 at home to Bristol City, Mike, do you think that's the next most important game or, or, or is it another one of those many wins that we got? I think it probably is that one because we talked about how Coventry didn't didn't serve as a reaction to a, a poor run of form. Well, Bristol City did. Again, context is important. They were struggling with injuries. They were depleted and they were struggling. Um, but we... We could have had 10 that night. It was, at one stage, it got a little bit uncomfortable watching it because it looked like every time they went forward, though Watford were going to create a goal-scoring opportunity. It struck me a little bit like the Watford-Luton game when we won 4-0 and they were asked to stop scoring effectively by the by the police. It was a little bit like, like that. And that lit a fire under them, I think. It lit their, you know, Jason spoke of how he scored, what, one one goal that wasn't in a penalty in, in, five, in five games. Well... This showed that we could do it. This showed that we could be creative. This showed that we can get our best players into important positions. This showed that we could threaten teams in in, in myriad ways. This showed that defences, if deployed properly, can't live with our players, with our creative players. And I think the players will have realised, ah, that's quite good fun, giving teams (laughs) a bit of a shellacking. Us being the one that asks questions, not pussyfooting around, worrying that if we concede one, we don't know how we're going to get back into the game. And I think it was the game that we'd been waiting for all season. All you know, the, the, up until that point, I think I probably said on the podcast, "How do we get Ismail Assar into the game?" Five hundred times, I probably said it, and we found a way to get Ismail Assar into the game. He went from looking grumpy and unhappy, and understandably so to this transformed predatory lion who just was lord of the manor parading around deciding whether he was going to score or set someone up and whenever he felt like it and we realised the penny dropped oh look we are one of the best sides if not the best side in the division it's about time we we started showing it so I think it gave them the confidence it gave them the belief and they didn't look back since. So yeah, I think it was important because if they don't, if they everything we've talked about, you know, the end of the transfer window, like you say, those distractions weren't there anymore. There was no reason for them to have that excuse. They've had the team meeting, they've had it all out with themselves and with the manager. All the cards are on the table at that stage, and if they can't deliver after that, then you really are in 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 trouble. But what they did do was respond in the most impressive, comprehensive way possible. It was, it was. Stunning, Jason. That, that first, you know, there's two. There's, there's a lot of big blocks of green on on that list. I've, I've shared with us all. Um, what, what's the most important win? No, what's the most important game? I don't want to want to sway you, Jason. What's the most <laughs> what important you saying, game John? you think from that Coventry game until the end after the Bristol City game? What are the other games for you that really said that that is the thing? That's what that that game had a bigger impact on us. Well, I can see where you're steering me, and we, and we probably are right to pick out the Bournemouth game, aren't we? Because I know Jefferson Lerma's getting a lot of plaudits on social media this morning for his efforts in getting Watford promoted. Um, that was always going to be a difficult game. We know how good Bournemouth can be. We also know that they are a bunch of charlatans, or as my seven-year-old now calls them, the cheating cherries. Um, 
and and they they were up to their old tricks again, weren't they? Throwing themselves around, and it was such a frustrating watch. I, I talked about at the top of the podcast about how my reaction to games when watching the game at home on my own. I was going nuts in that game. I was going absolutely mad at Bournemouth for their shenanigans. It was so frustrating to watch. And as we started to get sort of sucked into it a bit, it felt like we were throwing things away a bit almost at that point. And then Dan Gosling came on and then he, I can't remember it was who he, it might have been Lerma again, who he's hauled up off the floor when he was throwing himself around. And I'm shouting at the telly like, you know, Dan, don't you? You know what's going on here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, yeah, the, the, it, it went from us being sort of dragged into and sucked into this these stupid shenanigans into us actually fighting for for Watford Football Club. For us, the, the passion was there to, OK, we didn't turn it around in that game, but you could see the fight and the spirit was there to drag us through the rest of the season. And it went from being a, a sort of disappointing, almost predictable defeat to, to, to Bournemouth to... Um, well, hang on. Actually, we we've got a bunch of lads here that can pick us up, pick it up, go again, and see us through to the end of the season. Yeah, it's almost like the Coventry game made them reassess themselves to do better, but that game almost showed themselves that they had more in their locker, especially mentally. It solidified them as a team. That's the first time we'd seen them stand shoulder to shoulder in true when you know when they were in the trenches. You know, Bristol City game was was great. And they and they steamrolled teams after that. You know, there was a portion in in most of the games in the final run of the season where they've nearly blown the, blown the opposition away completely. Bournemouth included in that, but that was the first time they faced a bit of adversity and they stood shoulder to shoulder. They didn't back down, and I think we felt afterwards, far from being disappointed in the result, we felt that that was a a seminal moment in the in the season. In as much it's the first time they've really bared their teeth. And it felt like a bit of a Pyrrhic victory for Bournemouth. It was on the telly. Everyone saw what they were up to. And it sort of reaffirmed everyone's belief that, well, exactly what Jason's described. You don't need any of us to, to talk about what our, our thoughts on Bournemouth were. But it felt like Watford rose above it. Obviously, we got some man sent off and we lost the game. <laughs> but actually, it felt like we got more from it than the three points. And the fact that they were, were there together, shoulder to shoulder, not backing down... You know, I can feel the same feeling now. It just felt like this is a team, and it felt like a team for, for one of the first times in, in adversity this season. Uh, there wasn't much adversity after that, um, really. You know, it was uh, Wickham, Forest, Cardiff, Rotherham, Cardiff. Birmingham. Cardiff, that was massive. Not only did we win in the last minute, we scored a free kick. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure if there's been a special trophy made for Adam Messina at the end of season awards for uh, first free kick in half a decade. But that Cardiff game, because things were... Close. We went on a brilliant, brilliant run. We overhauled Brentford. They were, we, Brentford started one week nine points ahead of us and we finished um, that week ahead of them or we'd, we'd hauled them in. So it was still very, very close. You know, Ultimately, we've been promoted with, with quite a bit to spare with 10 points ahead of Brentford as we speak on Sunday. But that Cardiff game, any of them, you can't really, couldn't really afford to lose any at this stage of the season because the chasing pack was still very, very much in touch. It was, it was one win, two wins, and you'd, you'd be straight back in it. 
So to go to Cardiff, who at that stage were on a terrific run, very hard to beat, very similar to other teams in as much as they know how to win a game. They did a job on us at Watford. You know, Troy Deeney said they old manned us. You know, it was a professional championship performance. They just did the dirty things better than us. So going to Cardiff to win on the back of a really good run of form with Mick McCarthy at, at the helm and knows his way around the game, to get that win, I think, was absolutely enormous. Again, it shows the team team spirit. The goal goes in. They Ismail Assar chased down the ball in the really, really late in the game. It's gone the 90th minute, drew the foul, and then Messina smashed it in. And then, of course, the celebrations yeah. were, you know, you showed everything you needed to know. The, the sheer sort of... Everyone was guttural roaring, weren't they? Every sinew of the, the body was tense. They were shouting. You could probably hear it in Bristol, them, them cheering. And that just showed, right, we really mean business now. So we're scoring goals. We know how to do it in adversity. And now we know how to win games that need winning. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a massive one for me as well. I really started to believe at that stage that this is a team. It's just what that does to the teams watching. It's so dispiriting. Oh, Watford have won... Again, oh, you know, they're checking their phones like you were yesterday. One all 90 minutes. Watford will probably take that, but that's really good for us. Ah, oh, they've done it. They've, they've won it. Uh, dispiriting for everyone else. And that's what this Watford side did. They ground everyone else down by being a team and turning in good performances. But yeah, Cardiff away, massive for me. It was sort of post then, the final little stretch, going, coming back after the, uh, the international break. We came back with a, a win even though it was an own goal against Sheffield Wednesday, a tough away game at, at Middlesbrough, a Ishmael Assar magic show uh, against Reading to get the 2-0 win, and then, and then, and then, the second most important game, I think, of the season, losing at Luton Town. It wasn't pretty, for so many reasons. I don't like orange, generally. But the, it, it, for me, after that game, I was low. I think I was as low as I could get, because all of a sudden, you weren't quite sure if that would be the game that would affect them so much, they might take a step back slightly. The pressure might also start to get to them. We had lost the momentum because of the international break, but they didn't. And Jason, against Norwich, they came roaring back. We called it rapid response uh, on the podcast after last Tuesday's game. And at that moment, I think probably within 15 minutes, you knew they had it in the locker again. You were sure, you, you knew it was there, but you would think, ah, they found it at the back of the locker. They found it again, and they're going to keep using it, and it should be enough to get us past the line. The fact that we beat Norwich was almost like a, an amazing bonus. But what a performance to see us through that game and the game we saw yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny, isn't it? You can tell... I don't know about you guys, you, but I, sometimes you can tell first 15 minutes of, the game, of a game you think, oh, yeah, we're going to win this one, or oh, this isn't going to be our day. And I think for both the Luton and the Norwich games, you just felt Luton... This isn't going our way. Norwich, oh, absolutely, we are. We're on top here. We should see this, yeah, get the three points here. Going back to the Luton game, that didn't just feel like a defeat and not because it's a derby. Okay, the wheels weren't coming off, but it felt like the nuts were loosening at at one point. Defeats, yeah, you're going to lose games of football. But when it then sort of escalates into an important player in Kiko getting sent off, then that affects the next game. And that's when you think, oh, crikey, this, is, this, this just couldn't get any worse, you know? And that then sort of, in the build-up to the Norwich game where Messina had to put out the Luton game, we're all sort of crossing fingers to hope that he would be back because Lazar, bless him, 
Bless him. Bless him. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't the only one against Luton. I think I said it at the time, and I can't believe you're making me talk about that game again for the second time in a week. Um, yeah, we talked about Kiko. He had a poor game generally anyway, and there wasn't really anyone that, that stood out um, as, as having a good game. It was it was poor all round. So then to get the reaction, some bold decisions from Cisco as well. Thankfully, Messina was back for the Norwich game. But then to make the decision to bring Cathcart in at right back, we knew what our strongest attacking outlet was throughout the season. That Kiko Saar partnership down the right-hand side that produced so many goals, chances, opportunities, penalties. Very, very important to us throughout the season. To then change from having a an out-and-out fullback on the right-hand side to having a more, well, playing a centre-back there and having a more defensive player, how would that impact on Saar? How does that impact on our ability to win a game that, okay, if we didn't win it, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but we we would want to go and win it. We would want to attack Norwich, take the game to them. So there was that, that worry, that concern that it was going to be difficult because we didn't have that attacking outlook, but Cathcart was brilliant. The team were brilliant. Dan Gosling was brilliant and I think we hadn't seen a great deal of him. People questioned his signing when he came in but he really came to the fore in that Norwich game. His first start for the Hornets and and he was superb and ultimately ended up getting the winning goal. So again, another bold decision maybe from Shisko to to have him in from the start. Great three points all round and that defeat on the weekend was very quickly forgotten until until you told me to talk about it again now. Sorry, Jase. Yeah, very quickly forgotten. And and Mike, you know, that's, that's the season. That's that. That's that Watford season as it, as it was. It was remarkable and entertaining and worrying and disappointing. Uh, but that's amazing. That's that's what you want. That's what you want as a football fan to have all those moments. As long as the last moment is the one that we had yesterday, where it ended up in success and, and promotion. We still got two games left. It sounds like we've, we've finished the season, but we haven't. Still two games left to go, and it, it feels a little bit like it doesn't. Re- it doesn't matter at all what's going to happen because we've been promoted to the Premier League and as we saw before, we'll talk about this in another podcast, things are going to change uh, sort of going forward for Watford. But for you, how, how are you looking back at this whole season as if it was one big long movie? Like a movie, it's had its, its ups and downs and it's had its very distinct parts as hopefully we've identified during the, during the podcast. It's been a roller coaster, hasn't it? It's really interesting because it's felt like we've never been out of it without ever really being in it until the last couple of months last six weeks really we've felt like genuine contenders and that's when the the excitement has builded hasn't it and builded built <laughs> my, my football team may be premier league but my uh, english certainly isn't um so that's when the excitement's built and really hit a crescendo over the last couple of days and you say it doesn't really matter in the next couple of games and obviously it doesn't in the in the grand scheme of things the worst we can finish is second we may pip Norwich to the title it's an outside shot but if we win both games then it's let's see what would happen it would be magical wouldn't it that really would be un- incredible to to lift the title on the on the final day but what I want to make sure is is two things we keep up this extraordinary home form we've got one home game less last game of the season against uh, against Swansea City uh, if we win that I think that will take us on to 59 points uh, achieved at home which is absolutely spectacular so I'd really really like us to do that especially obviously if the uh, if the title's still up for grabs if we can make it go down to that last day that would be 
that'd be lovely. But also, lovely seeing Dan Backman and Ben Foster on the Hornet Hive promotion extra thing yesterday. Well done again to everyone involved in that. But the defensive record throughout this season, through the ups and downs, the peaks and troughs, the highs and lows, the defensive record has, largely speaking, been absolutely phenomenal. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant from the keepers when called upon and the defenders in in front of them. And I'd really like to see that through. I don't want to see us conceding silly goals. I'd like to sort of try and really extend the record of clean sheets. I love the fact, really, that yesterday the game was won 1-0 with a clean sheet and a penalty because that kind of sums up the season, really, doesn't it? It's not... There have been some massively exciting games. You know, we scored through Blackburn... Um, Stoke away was was a great one. Uh, Coventry three two. There were great games, but I think really this will be remembered as as the defensive when we led from the back. If that if that makes sense, and I'd like to see us really see that through over in the, in the last couple of games and really end on a high. It's going to be difficult. We're talking on Sunday. The sun's shining. Everyone's got a spring in their step. I have never in all my life seen bottles of Peroni consumed so quickly <laughs> as I did on the Vicarage Road turf yesterday. They must have been bottomless the way they were just disappearing. And uh, well done Isaac's success. We finally found a role for him by the way. He was bringing out the boxes of beer from the changing rooms. <laughs> so he did, he did that admirably. So if he stays around next season um, expect to see him uh, bringing the, uh, the isotonic Lucasade sport. No, so, no, no Baileys, no. <laughs> I think we've got quite enough Bailey in this, in this room already. Thanks, Dave. Hi, Johnny, by the way, to my favourite uh, favorite Bailey. hope things are all right over there in, uh, in Australia this fine sunny day. You want... Yeah, I think the best way of summing up this, this season is, is pride, I think, in the way that us as a group of supporters have risen to the occasion, that Watford, our club, have risen to the occasion, and football as a whole have risen to the occasion. This has been an unprecedented, horrible period of time for for so many people, people who have lost loved ones and now their lives will never be the same when we get out of this pandemic. Um, their lives will never be the same at this end of this football season. They can't celebrate with the people that they ordinarily would have celebrated with or they've been cut off from people they'd be, be celebrating with. And I think... It just the, the outpouring of emotion yesterday from people who were remembering loved ones or remembering people they're unable to, to spend time with just goes to show how important, how precious and how valuable this game is and how precious, valuable and important we all are to each other. And I think, you know, what is the joy in promotion? It is a shared experience. It's yesterday it's fist bumps and elbow bumps instead of hugs, but that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's that, that shared emotion, that shared lift, that shared moment of elation. And for, for too many people, that, that, that will never be the same again. But I think we need to remember we are all there for each other. And football can deliver. It, it has a heart. It really has a heart. And Watford has a heart bigger than most. And I think we've seen that a lot. So if I was to sum up this season, proud. Proud of the way that we've stood up to the, the to the questions posed on the pitch, but most importantly, the worldwide challenges that the world have faced and that we've we've all faced. Um, we've shown that that what football is important, that Watford is important, and that we're important. And it's it will go down in history this season for a whole host of reasons. But I will carry this one 
um, in my heart for for a long, long time. Thank you so much for listening to From the Recruiting. Don't worry, the season's not over yet and neither are our podcasts. We'll be back uh, between now to look at the best players uh, and try and figure out who will be the player of the season. Uh, we'll figure out our top 10 of everything that came out of the 2020-2021 season. And of course, we're looking ahead about what's next for Watford Football Club. Thank you much, Jason. Thank you. And thank you, Michael. You Athletic.